Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. On a little late today, but here we are. Yes, we have a special time for you today. I appreciate you doing that, by the way. So here we go now. This is a surprise, or maybe it's not. No. A little mini cabinet shuffle here this morning, announced by Premier David Eby and Mitzi Dean, now the former Minister of Child and Family Development. She's demoted in this cabinet shuffle. What's going on here? Yeah, so I don't think this is unexpected. It wasn't a question of if, it was a question of when Mitzi Dean was going to be taken out of that portfolio. She's been under fire for several years. That horrific case of those two Indigenous foster children out in the Fraser Valley, one of whom was killed. Uh, the foster parents um, guilty of manslaughter. These kids were tortured and beaten. And also it emerged in the, in the court proceedings that the ministry hadn't checked for, on these kids for seven months. Yeah. yeah. So you knew, and the opposition, and, and other, more importantly, a number of First Nations groups were demanding her resignation. So there was this inability to work with many people who are in the system, I think. So, again, it was a question of not if but when. So this is, you know, we've seen this before, the the quiet time after the holidays. Yes. That's the time you take care of business like this. Yeah. Uh, so the House is not in session, not in, back in session for another month. Also, I think it was done in anticipation of the release of the child advocate Jennifer Charlesworth's investigation of this case, uh, which was not going to come up with, with positive findings from no. Mitzi Dean or that ministry. So that was going to be bad news when it is released. So I, th- I don't know if the, if the Premier's office got wind of this report, but surely they anticipated what was going to be in that report. And if the calls for resignation were loud before the release of that report, you can be sure they were going to be very loud once that report uh, landed. And the report, I don't know when the report's coming out. I assume it's going to be soon. And I think this was done also ahead of that. So Grace Lohr, who's the up-and-coming, um, one of the up-and-coming stars, I think, of the caucus, is now the new minister. She had been minister of state for child care, so now Mitzi Dean takes that portfolio. So she's still in cabinat. Yeah. She's been minister. demoted, though, obviously. Clear demotion. Yeah. Clear demotion. Um, and Grace Lohr becomes the full-fledged uh, minister uh, for children and family development. Andrew Mercier moves sideways. He's now the minister of state for sustainable de- uh, forestry under Bruce Ralston, and George Chow becomes Parliamentary Secretary for International Credentials, which is a brand new thing that we've never heard of before. But, yeah, so I wouldn't call it a shuffle. It's just a yeah. mini rearranging of a couple chairs. Okay. we Mitzi Dean, we've talked about this horrific uh, foster child case that you described earlier. These are two Indigenous kids, abused, tortured, neglected, one of whom died, yeah. and the foster children involved facing jail jail time. And there was a lot of criticism directed at this minister especially over, as you mentioned, the failure to check on these kids. And there were multiple resignations, calls for her resignation. Mm-hmm. Let's have a listen to her here. So this is at the height of the thing, and there's people calling for her to resign. Mitzi Dean demoted in this cabinet shuffle today. Let's listen. It's not about me. What is most important is to get to the bottom of this. I absolutely understand and I deeply share the pain and the anger and the outrage. 
Okay, your thoughts. Well, this is a report coming out soon, you mentioned. Yeah, Jennifer Charlesworth's report yeah. should be soon, uh, and it's going to be, I can't see how it cannot be bad news yeah. uh, for the ministry. Um, and this ministry, you know, it's had its, it's, it's a, in many cases, a thankless this is, a t- this is the toughest portfolio toughest in the cabinet. portfolio in the entire government. Yeah. It's dealing with a lot of bad news cases. Yeah. And things go wrong. And But when the ministry basically ignores these kids for seven months, doesn't check on them, uh, someone's going to be held accountable. And ultimately, it's the minister. So today, that's what happened. She now moves uh, in a demotion down to Minister of State for, for Child Care, Grace Lohr, who's my MLA, Victoria Beacon Hill, is now becoming a full member of cabinet. Okay, so, yeah, Mitzi Dean out as the Children and Families Minister. Uh, On another topic, Keith, we started the show today talking about the deep freeze conditions Mm -hmm. we saw all across Western Canada here on the weekend. Wow, in Alberta, boy, they were issuing grid alerts in Alberta on the weekend, encouraging people, please don't use power if you can avoid it. And they managed to get through it without any rolling blackouts because that was... A bit of help from BC Hydro. Yeah, they were teetering on the knife's edge there. BC Hydro was able to send over some power to Alberta to help Alberta out. Now, this is at the same time we've got a record demand. We set a brand new record for power demand in BC, right? Yes, uh, on Friday night, record demand. I think 11,300 megawatts. megawatts, Yeah. uh, Which broke the old record of just under 11,000, said a year ago. Um, so it's a, it's sort of a glass half full, glass half empty thing here. So hydro's been dealing with drought, record drought uh, conditions, which has really uh, saw the reservoirs, this huge reservoirs, which feel the the dam system be at all time lows. And as, as a result, hydro's been a net importer of electricity. Yeah. Uh, this past year, and a lot of that, some of that is dirty power, coal coal generated power from the United States. But uh, hydro put a news release out, basically. Sort of boasting, they were able to keep all the lights on and the heat on, with yeah. a re- and sur- and providing all this electricity at a record demand level. On top of that, sending 200 megawatts or megawatt hours to uh, Alberta and 150 megawatts south of the border to the United States. So, mm-hmm. sort of like old times, hydro able to to meet the demand. The question is, and it was interesting. They put a news release out. And Chris O'Reilly's the CEO is quoted in there and talking about they've had a team in place for about a year now with a plan to deal with these low reservoirs. So we'll see what happens in the summer. Mm. So the last time we had a heat dome a few years ago, there was a surge in demand for electricity sure. because of a big spike in air conditioner use, cooling centers and such. Yep. Uh, so will Hydro be able to eat, meet that demand if we get another extreme weather event in the summer? The opposite of a cold snap, basically a heat snap. Can they, can they uh, meet the electrical demands that will come with that? Won't be as great as a cold snap. Because not everyone has an air conditioner, but there will be in 2021. There was a significant increase in electrical electricity demand, and we'll see if it happens this summer and whether hydro can meet that demand. Okay, good news that hydro got through yeah. this record high demand yeah. for power on the weekend with the with the province in the deep freeze here. But as you mentioned, over the past year, hydro has been a net importer of electricity, and this is at the same time the government is encouraging people to switch to electric vehicles, switch to electric heat in their home with electric heat pumps. So there's a lot of concern about whether our power grid might mm-hmm. be in the same boat as Alberta's here in not too long from now. Yeah. So what's... We've, talk, we've talked about this before. Where's all this electricity going to come from? Yeah. Uh, Site C is going to come online, uh, even though they've, they're struggling with some reservoir issues up there. Uh, the Hydro's got a power call out later this year, this spring. That's 
from all accounts, is going to be wind power, yes. which is not yeah. as dependent as hydroelectricity. Uh, so we'll see how that fits into the whole grid. But you're right, the, the BC's clean energy plan, the government's clean energy plan, is really predicated on extensive electrification yeah. uh, all through society. And that includes residential and commercial, getting commercial establishments off natural gas, off of uh, fossil fuels. Well, we see this reflected in the decision by the BC Utilities yeah. Commission to d- deny an application from Fortis to expand a natural gas pipeline in the Okanagan. They Even said no. They, they acknowledge that there is going to be a, a greater need for for power because for natural of the, gas power for, for the because of the population sure, of course occurring in again the immigration levels are sky high and they're they're people are moving to three places Central Okanagan where this pipeline was expansion was was. Uh, um, requested, and Metro Vancouver and the Capital Region. So, yeah. so there you have the Utilities Commission saying no to an expansion of a fossil fuel, natural gas, which is seen differently than oil, but nevertheless. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, the BC NDP government and the BC Liberal government before it wouldn't hesitate sometimes to intervene with the Utilities Commission yeah. and and sort of step on its independence and either overrule or, or thrust upon them a requirement to do something. And right now, the government has not stepped in here. Yeah, this is a $375 million project. There's an economic private, hit there as well. Private money. Yeah, there's no government there's money no government on the line here. here. No, it was purely because... There's a lot of did, jobs. It didn't fit the uh, clean energy plan. No. Okay, let's finish up with Metro mayors putting their hand out asking for money for transit. Okay, so we've got a, a tag team team up here, all the Metro mayors getting together. We need money, and we need it now to expand the transit system in Metro Vancouver here. And it doesn't matter if it comes from the feds, the province, both. They just need this money. Let's listen to Brad West, the mayor of Port Coquitlam here. 40% is the share that we're looking for from the federal government. If this region is forced to wait two years, it will confirm everyone's worst feelings about government's inability to get things done. (laughs) You want the money now. Basic rule of thumb, political rule of thumb, is you put a bunch of mayors in a room and they're going to get together and ask other levels of government more senior for money. Yeah. That's basically what's going to happen. Now, that's not to say the transit money is not required here, but I go back to, uh, you mentioned electric vehicles. Yeah. So both the federal government and the provincial government made electrical vehicles a big priority. And a number of people pointed out there's all sorts of questions about EVs, about minerals, mining that goes into this, the the footprint that's left there. Yeah. Why not put a bunch of money into transit, electrification, electrified transit? Take the money that's being spent on EVs, sort of get away from the car car culture, and go to mass uh, investment in transit. And perhaps that's what... That's what the mayor should be asking for. Okay. Well, we've got an election year in British Columbia. There's an election approaching at some point yep. in the federal scene as well. So that's usually there's the time be, be when they're transit. generous. Yeah, there's going to be some transit money. There's no question right. for sure. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. 
because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, it's Valdry's Beat, and the phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898, toll-free on your cell. Gordon in Port Coquitlam. Hi, Gordon. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, question, I understand with regard to the Missy Dean issue and her, I guess, emotion. Um, I'm curious why we don't seem to hold the deputy ministers accountable. They effectively manage everything that's happening in the ministry implement the policies and they mm-hmm. should be the ones that are checking up on these kind of issues um, it's not the only time i've seen this there, you know, casino gates another example where the deputy minister i think in the end was promoted so yeah. to another senior role yeah so just a so, question. good 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 question my understanding actually i forgot to add this my understanding there is going to be a, a change in deputies mm. so that that is coming i mean this is inexcusable not to be checking on kids like that doesn't that Go yeah. against their own guidelines and standards? You'd, you'd think so. Yeah. Well, obviously, the ministry dropped the ball big time. And yeah. we're waiting for Jennifer Charlesworth, the Child Advocate's report on this. Again, I don't see how... That could can, be a bombshell report. I, I think there's every possibility it will, and this uh, getting rid of uh, demoting the minister is done probably in anticipation of that. It's a preemptive move. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it has all the earmarks to that. We haven't seen the report. Not sure when it's coming out, but it has all the earmarks of a response uh, preemptively. Yeah. But just going back to the uh, the surge in, in demand and power in British Columbia, record high demand on Friday on the electrical system, and, it, and the, the system held up. BC Hydro saying they knew this was coming, they were ready for it, and they even had enough power left over to share with Alberta. And so, the states. And, and, and they did some exports the to the U.S. So at a time like that, though, but we've talked a lot about the transition to electric vehicles, the transition to electric electric heat pumps. Do you think at, at some point they're going to have to come up with some other plan for power here in British Columbia? They can't do it all with wind. You wouldn't think so. so we, we talked. We had a lot of calls here this morning saying, why don't they go nuclear, well, bring in nuclear power? I still think we're a generation away from revisiting the nuclear power Issue, but I see Alberta is starting to think seriously yeah. about a nuclear power plant there. Yeah. There's nuclear power plants in 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 Ontario. Sure, they're all over France. Yeah, um, it's it's got a bad rap because of uh, obviously Chernobyl, which there's no resemblance to any other nuclear plant. You know, this was the Soviet Union, which was just uh, incompetent running those things, and Three Mile Island, yeah. um, movies like The China Syndrome. I mean, there's a whole generation of Canadians have been raised on the view that nuclear power is some sort of evil option. But the next generation down the road perhaps will have a different view, particularly when it's the cleanest fuel of all. It could be a very, very difficult sell in British Columbia well, politically. Very, as I say, I think it's we're talking about a generation. It, it's, it's unsaleable right now. Yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no political buy-in. Right. And as for the, the deadline to go to 100% EV sales and the continuing du- sort of doubling down on the, on the electrical grid, I mean, we're in an election year this year. Could this be an election issue going forward, especially when you start getting into things like the carbon tax? That's going to be huge, well, isn't it? the carbon tax could be an, an issue. I'm not sure. A deadline that's way out in the future, I don't think that has an impact on people because it's, it's no. so far in the distance. No. Uh, as you get closer to that deadline, it becomes more of an issue. But, yeah, I think something like the carbon tax, uh, which Pierre Poliev is trying to turn into a big issue at the federal level, John Rustad and Kevin Falcon are trying to turn it into an issue on the provincial level. 
And Evie is sticking to his gun, saying he's not going to change it. Just a minute left here. And we touched briefly as well on Metro mayors asking for that money for transit from the mm-hmm. federal and the provincial government. Doesn't this largely as well as they don't want to take the heat for raising property taxes on their own citizens to no. pay for this too, right? Oh, exactly. Somebody else got to pay for it. I mean, taxes are already going up, um, but, you know, double digits in many municipalities. You add a clip of Brad West, Pocoquillum is a notable exception to that. They've got one of the lowest property tax increases. Um, but yeah, um, transit's not going to be built without the help of senior governments because they have got all the money. The cities just don't have enough money to build some of these transit uh, lines that they're. Is it the feds about. or the province that needs to pay up? Both. They want it for both. many both levels of government. Yeah, you look at SkyTrain; it's funded by both levels of government. Buses, though, are not a federal government uh, jurisdiction, but uh, the pressure's on both levels of government to come up with more money when it comes to transit needs. Keith, thanks a lot.